How many of you own a soda stream? Raise your hand. Wow, not nearly enough. So, I might have just solved that pesky question of what do I get them for Christmas? It could be one of these. I really enjoy my soda stream, and the whole point of a soda stream is to uh, carbonate your water, to transform your drinking experience at home. So this uh, machine, thank you, you may return. Actually, no, I might stick around. I might actually need you to take this away. So the soda stream has uh, in the back a large CO2 cartridge, and then the goal of this whole machine is to inject or infuse your everyday tap water with fun bubbles. So this, this just came right out of my house uh, faucet. Put it in like that. I'm going. You can actually put more if you want. This is now restaurant quality fun. <laughs> wow! Oh, this is not just your tap water anymore. It's bubbly excitement. All right. Thank you very much. You may take that back, Vanna. So, <laughs> that really wasn't intended to just be an infomercial. I give that object lesson because in our Bible story today, uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, I'm going to burp, I apologize, it's going to happen. Paul, Silas, and Timothy seek to transform the grief that the Thessalonian Christians are experienced because some of their beloved have died. They seek to infuse their grief with hope and thus totally transform it. Uh, We've been studying the book of 1 Thessalonians, so turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. uh, We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 18, and let me read the first verse. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. Now, we Christians, we grieve. When someone we love dies, we we grieve. We grieve the temporary loss of our beloved, but we don't grieve grieve as those without hope. And so what Paul does in this text is he sets forth some uh, truths about what's going to happen to the Christian dead at Christ's second coming. And he says this information will transform your grief. It will infuse it with hope. Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is a time of joy and wonder And it is, it's a great time. But you know what? Some of us, even right here, have lost loved ones in the not-so-distant past. And and for us, uh, Christmas uh, is actually a a heavy time because it's a reminder of what we're missing. We can't help but encounter the traditions and the the celebrations of Christmas and think about uh, the loved one we wish we're still here, enjoying it with us. 
And so I think it's very appropriate and very timely that God would have led us to this text at this time, right before Christmas, because you know what? Uh, the, the reminder of these truths can transform our grief, infuse it again with hope, a hope that God wants for his people that's rightfully ours in Jesus Christ. So let me read the text, and uh, we'll get into those truths that can uh, transform our grief. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do, uh, who do not have, have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is an encouraging message. These truths, God wants these truths to transform our grief, to infuse our grief with hope this Christmas. So I see three words here uh, that can transform our grief. The first one is this, uh, our beloved Christian dead will live again. Look at verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Uh, think about Clarence Bach. Uh, he died uh, in his early 80s, but he was very influential in my life. I really admired him. And the fact is, he is going to live again. Clarence Bach will be conscious. He will inhabit a, a transformed heavenly body. He and I will uh, chat. He will experience. Uh, death is not the final word for Clarence or for any other Christian who has died. It's not the final word. Christ is the final word. Life eternal is the final word. Uh, this great hope that we have uh, is, is um, it's not just wishful thinking. It's not just something we tell each other to uh, try to um, dampen the, uh, the grief, but in the back of our mind, we're all kind of suspicious that we're just uh, feeding each other a lie. And so we, we're kind of like, eh, we'll say it because it sounds good, but I'm not really sure that it's true. No, this is a hope that we, uh, we have great confidence in. Now, there are other religions, many other religions, that hold out some kind of an afterlife for their followers, but it's not the hope that a Christian has. Why? Because for them, it's, well, there is no, nobody has come back from the dead to say, there is a nirvana. You know what? You can cross the river Styx. So for them, it's, uh, well, we say it, and I hope it's true, but that's not the kind of hope that the Christian has. Why? Because for the Christian, 
Uh, we believe in a resurrection from the dead because it's already happened. Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, it all starts with that. Why do I believe that Clarence will live again? Why do I believe that when I die, it's not over? Well, because God has already shown in time and space and in history that he has the power to raise someone from the dead. He did it with Jesus. He can do it for me. And he can do it for our loved ones. So that's why our hope is categorically different than anyone else who's, who postulates an afterlife. We've had someone die and come back from the grave. And there have been hundreds of people who saw him alive from the grave and testified. This is possible. And when Jesus rose, when God rose Jesus from the grave, they, he put his stamp of approval on Jesus. And so Jesus promises to us, to all who follow him, you know what? The same Spirit of God that brought Christ from the dead will bring you also back from the dead. So let me read again. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Our hope is rooted in uh, a historical reality. It's happened before, it's going to happen again. That's what Paul says uh, to another group of Christians, the uh, Christians in Corinth, in his letter to them, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, Paul writes, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. I like how the Bible uh, so often refers to dead Christians as being asleep. Why? Because they're going to wake up someday. It's temporary. Sleep is always temporary, right? There's always wake-up coming. And that's the case for the Christian. Skipping to verse 23. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Uh, firstfruits. Think about that. Uh, maybe you have raspberries in the back of your yard. If you do, I'm envious. Uh, I'll probably sneak over to your yard and pick some of your raspberries. But if you've had, if you have those raspberry patches, uh, you, you notice how at, there are always some raspberries that ripen first. Before the majority, you get a few of those glorious early red raspberries and you go pick them with enthusiasm. But then you got to wait until the majority get, gets red and ripe. And that's the case with, uh, you know, all kind of harvest things. There's there's a first fruits, an early, uh, an early harvest. In fact, the Jews in the Old Testament, uh, they were uh, commanded to bring their first fruits to the Lord. And that was a great act of faith because you weren't guaranteed that you would end up getting the big harvest. What if the first fruits are all there are? All there are? But when, uh, when the Jews brought the first fruits to the Lord, they were entrusting the great harvest to him as well. And of course, he's faithful. Jesus is the first roots, right? Why? Because his resurrection from the dead is, uh, happened before the big harvest, which is going to happen at his second coming, where every Christian who has died will also rise from the dead. So is that not a truth that can transform our grief? That our beloved uh, dead will rise again. They're going to live again. That's amazing. 
Second truth I see. Our beloved Christian dead aren't going to miss out on anything good that God has planned. So the Thessalonians, apparently the Thessalonian Christians were concerned that uh, their brothers and sisters who had died would somehow miss out on, uh, on the second coming of Christ. Now, they believed in the resurrection from the dead, but they had been anticipating and talking about that wonderful day when the, the, when the King of kings and the Lord of lords would return and the whole world would recognize him for who he really is. And so the Christians who at that time were being persecuted in Thessalonica would be shown as, uh, they would be vindicated, right? And so they encouraged each other with, you know what, it's bad right now. I know we're suffering, but Christ is going to return. And it's going to be such a glorious day. But now some of these Christians have died. And so the Thessalonians were a little confused. Are they going to miss out on that glorious day? And so Paul writes to uh, inform them of the glorious truth that they're not going to miss out on anything. So let's look at verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. When Jesus returns, the first group that he addresses are the Christians who, are, who have died. He, ta- he, he addresses them first. He commands them, come forth, rise. And they, they, they go first up to the Lord, and then we go and meet them. And so, uh, what Paul's telling Thessalonians was telling us is, listen, you, you don't need to grieve for, uh, for your dead um, family members and friends in Christ. They're not missing out on anything good. You don't, you don't need to have any sense of, oh, they're missing out. They're not missing out. None of God's good plans will be withheld from them. They will get to experience all of the good stuff that God has planned for his people forever and ever. And so, we don't need to feel sorry for him. You know, Clarence, uh, he's, he's uh, not with us right now, but he's not missing out on anything uh, good that God has planned. He will get to participate in absolutely everything, and so will your beloved one. The final word that can transform our grief, that can infuse it with hope, is, is this. We're going to be reunited with our dead Christian loved ones forever and ever in the presence of God. Verse 17. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. We're going to be caught up together with them. There will be a reunion. There's coming a great reunion when we will see uh, our, our beloved Christian dead again. We'll look them in the eyes. We'll smile at them. They'll smile at us. We'll talk to them. They'll talk to us. It's going to be a glorious reunion. And you know what? It's a forever reunion. It's not just a chance to say that one thing you wish you had said. This is a reunion that will never end. It's forever and ever 
and ever. And you know what? It gets better than that. The best times you're going to have are still in front of you. I don't care how sweet it was, how uh, deep it was, how loving it was. Your relationship is only going to be better. It's only going to be deeper. Why? Because it is in the presence of God. Revelation chapter 21, the Apostle John is uh, speaking about a vision God gave him of that day. Verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We are going to get to spend forever and ever with every other Christian who has ever lived in the presence of God when the, where there is no more brokenness. Does that infuse your heart with hope this Christmas? Absolutely. You know, um, Pops, my grandfather, very important in my life. I love Pops. When I was 25, uh, I said goodbye to Pops. Uh, the disease had already uh, gotten to the point where he couldn't talk. Uh, often we weren't sure that he understood us. And um, I asked my dad, may I say goodbye to Pops by myself? And I read to him, from 1 Corinthians, that text where it says, Death, where is thy victory, O grave? Where is thy sting? And I looked Pops in the eyes. I wasn't sure that he really un understood me. I read him the scriptures and I said, You know, Pops, I don't think I'm going to ever see you again in this life. But I am going to see you again uh, in the presence of our Savior Christ. And you won't be frail and broken. We'll be healthy. And I'm going to miss you but I'm going to see you again. And tears began to run down Pops' face. Now that's the last time I saw him, but I shall see him again. And your beloved Christian son, daughter, brother, sister, husband, wife, friend, you're going to see him again. They will live again. They haven't missed out on any of God's good plans. You will be reunited with them forever in the presence of God. Let that transform your grief this Christmas. Let it infuse your hearts with hope. We have the greatest news on planet Earth. Is it not awesome? I love being a Christian. May we be bolder in, in, our, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, with our friends, in our classes. We have Jesus and it makes all the difference. Verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. Let's do that. It's a, it's a ministry we all have. We possess this, these words of hope and we can encourage each other and we can invite our non-Christian friends into this hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Uh, bow your heads, close your eyes if you would, just so you can... 
focus in uh, fully on the Lord, to have a time of response. What is your faith response this morning? Might be that uh, in the crosshairs of your mind and heart, you see that person, the beloved that you are missing. And maybe by faith you need to say to that person, I'm going to see you again. I'm going to be reunited with you in the presence of Christ forever. And let that glorious truth wash over you and infuse your grief with hope. God wants that for you this Christmas. Maybe your faith response is, you know what? We do possess the greatest news, and I'm a little apathetic in getting it out. I want to share this. I need to be more courageous, more intentional. So maybe that's what you need to say, Lord, uh, I commit to being more engaged in the uh, proclamation of the gospel, the good news. It could be as simple as inviting somebody to Christmas Eve service. Might be that you're not a Christian and you're listening to this and you said, this is, this is almost too good to be true. Can it be true? And it is. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and we proclaim that to you. We're declaring you God's truth. And if you want the hope of eternal life to animate your life, then your act of faith is to say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of the living God. I receive your death upon the cross as full payment for my sin. I'm now yours. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. So take a moment to pray according to how the Lord is leading you. We'll be silent for a moment, then I'll conclude. Heavenly Father, grief is appropriate. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died, even though he knew full well he was going to raise Lazarus from the grave only four days later. Any absence of our loved ones no matter how temporary, is heartrending. There are people here who have to live apart from their loved ones for years and years. And yet, Lord, in that grief, infuse it with hope, the hope that we'll see him again in your presence forever. Thank you for this glorious truth. We proclaim it in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.